Hi, I'm Anna Harris, and this is the Defined by God podcast, a support resource for Christians looking for hope and healing from trauma and adversity. Join us as we interview experts, hear stories of healing from real people, and discuss and define common types of trauma, how it impacts us, and the latest and best strategies for healing and thriving. Hi, everyone. I am Anna Harris. Welcome to the Defined by God Ministries podcast. I'm so glad to have you join us. I'm excited about my guest today, Ray Serta, that I'll introduce you to in just a minute. Um, But I wanted to tell you about Defined by God Ministries. Uh, We are helping Christians who have experienced religious or relationship trauma and other kinds of trauma find healing, identity, and freedom. And I have as my guest today, um, Ray Serta, and he is someone that um, has suffered trauma and has really overcome it and really um, had, you know, a successful and meaningful life. And I want to tell you a little bit about him. Um, He served over 30 years in municipal government, and he was the director of parks and recreation for the city of Irving, and he managed a lot of major projects with that. Um, He won awards uh, toward recreation programming. Now, he retired in 2018, and um, he wrote a book about his life experience. When he was in high school, he suffered a major physical trauma, and um, his book is about how he overcame that, and he's going to talk about that today, about what happened, and also about how he overcame and how he has um, really succeeded in his life. And um, actually, uh, Ray and I were classmates in, in high school, and I actually remembered when his accident happened. So I'm going to bring him on now. There. Hi, Ray. Thank Good you morning, so much Anna. for coming on today. Good morning, Anna. It's great to be on your podcast. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for doing this. This is fun. So um, why don't you just take a minute and, you know, introduce yourself and you can even talk about you know, what happened back when you were 16 years old? Great. Well, thank you again for having me on. So my story or my journey begins of uh, May of 1981. I was a junior in high school. Uh, As you mentioned, we were classmates. We both graduated in the class of 1982 from Irving High School. It was an annual ritual. We had just completed a uh, spring football game, and it was an annual ritual for all the football players to go by a nearby lake to celebrate the end of the school year and also to celebrate the last football game of the season. And it was supposed to be for team bonding, um, you know, camaraderie, and like I mentioned to you, the end of the school year. So we had just uh, completed the game. It was on a Friday night. Uh, went to school all day. I remember the day like it was yesterday going through all my classes and uh, going through the cafeteria lunch, eating lunch, and then in the afternoon playing in the spring football game. So after the game, uh, we all, first of all, my parents did not want me going to 
that little celebration. The plan was to stay out the night, spend the night, and then drive back in the next morning. Uh, you know, Anna, when you're 15, 16 years old, you make some decisions in your life that were not probably the smartest or the boldest decisions that I made. And as a result of that, you know, here I am 42 plus years later. And, you know, I often think about, you know, what, what my life would have been like had I not gone to that little celebration. Um, so I had some friends come over, convince my parents for me to go. Um, so we arrived at the, uh, the campsite. And, uh, of course, some of my teammates were already grilling hot dogs and hamburgers and Yes, there was some alcohol going on, uh, but, uh, you know, I, that was not the main issue. Uh, uh, we stayed out there for about an hour and a half, two hours, me and the, the gentleman that I drove with um, out to the lake. And then uh, we went back into town because uh, one of our friends was having an all-girl all swim party that was going on, in which we were not invited to, and so... Plus, it was in a gated community, and so what do most 16-year-olds do? They jump over the fence and uh, try to get into the, the house swimming pool party, in which we were not invited to. Uh, we finally got in, swam for about an hour, and then decided to drive back out to the lake uh, to join our teammates. You know, after all these years, I, I still can't answer this question why we did that. You know, um, that was just, you know, spur of the moment decisions. And we went out there and by that time it's two or three o'clock in the morning and uh, we were both tired. We had a long day. We had played in a football game. Um, and so um, the driver fell asleep at the wheel and I, I went flying out of the vehicle that we were in, uh, laid 60 feet away from the vehicle. And, um, on the other side of the road, there was an 18-wheeler coming up, and he screeched his brakes so he wouldn't run me over. And uh, they basically terrified me to a nearby hospital in Dallas. Uh, from there, um, I had uh, doctors, nurses, my family uh, around the clock for, for four or five days because uh, they didn't know the extent of my injury. Uh, they didn't know if I was going to be able to make it or not. Doctors did come in and say that I was going to have to have a fusion on my neck to repair my neck because I had a I had suffered a spinal cord injury, uh, which I had broken my C5, C6 vertebrae, and that they were going to have to fuse my neck back together. They didn't know if I was uh, going to make it through surgery. Plus, they didn't know what type of feelings or uh, any movement that I would get back from the surgery just because there was so, so much swelling in the spinal cord. And so they had to wait about four or five days to do surgery. Um, but I could recall waking up, uh, I was sedated the entire time. They would bring me in and out. There was one time I recall where I had the nurses, doctors, and family, and of course a little gentleman in black, all black, and he's basically my priest, and reading me my last rites. And they didn't know if I was gonna be able to make it or not. Uh, Fortunately, uh, there was a successful surgery. They did fuse my broken neck. Unfortunately, uh, there was no uh, cure for spinal cord injury at that time. And there, here we are 40 plus years later and they're still not uh, 
a cure for spinal cord injury, but they're getting closer and closer. Um, so from there, uh, they fused my broken neck and then they transported me to a rehab center called Dallas Rehab Institute. Uh, there I spent five months of uh, learning how to uh, dress myself, uh, feed yourself, uh, had to do it all over again. Um, felt like a little child and just having to relearn all these, these uh, everyday normal things that everybody takes for granted. Yeah. I can recall was- going into that uh, rehab center uh, the first mm-hmm. night. Uh, it was probably the longest night of my life to this day. Uh, my parents were supposed to meet up with me. Um, I got there around eight o'clock in the evening and they uh, registered me. And unfortunately the the facility closes at 9 PM. So they wouldn't let my parents in until the next morning. And so, uh, I can recall, uh, them pushing me into a ward that had five other quadriplegics or people who were paralyzed, uh, in that ward. And, uh, I didn't know what I was getting into. They were just moving me in. Uh, I can recall that, uh, I had tears running down my face because that was the very first time in my life that I had been scared and lonely because mm-hmm. I had nobody around me. So the only person mm-hmm. that I had to turn to, uh, is my faith and in God. I just told God, please get me through this ordeal. Please help me get through this night. Um, I had tears running down my face with nobody to wipe my tears. And of course, my my arms at the time, I could not move them. And so I didn't have anybody to wipe my tears from me. I had a nurse come in and tell me, Ray, it's going to be okay. But she was like a nurse that was 23 years old. And she was just beginning her nursing career. And I can recall, she looked uh, almost as scared as I did. Um, but I did get through that night. And uh, fortunately, with my prayers and God leading me the way, uh, I was able to get through that night, but uh, I still recall that, that night. So that must have been that must have been really um, just something that you'll never forget because um, you went you're 16 years old at the time, and I remember you were such a leader in the school and you know uh, student council and football and track and all of that kind of stuff and. Um, so you went really overnight, your life changed. And um, yes, you know, so- Anna, when you're, when you're 16 years old, uh, like I was, uh, I saw and went through so many things that most 16 year olds never see in their lifetime. And uh, you talk about a kid growing up quick. I had to grow up real quickly uh, or else uh, I wasn't going to make it. And I knew that, uh, that I needed to, I needed to grow up, but I needed to do it real fast, almost like a fast track uh, class that you take in school. Um, but so I went on and stayed there for five months. And um, I was there from uh, May, uh, late May, all the way until October uh, when the school year started. Our school year started in September. So I missed about a, a month of schoolwork, but uh, I was still taking. Uh, homeschool classes to because I wanted to make sure I graduated with my class and I would take classes during the summer so uh, I would make sure that I would be caught up with all my classes and things when I joined uh, back in October 
Um, when, so I started in October and that, that was so surreal because nobody had ever seen me in a wheelchair and uh, yeah. talk about all the, all the stairs that you got. Uh, I got a lot of stairs and I just, I guess it's just curiosity. People want to see, uh, you know, cause I was junior class president. I was a quarterback of the varsity football team. I had, uh, you know, I was all district and track and field. I was on the honor roll. Um, I was pretty much your typical uh, overachiever student. I uh, remember, yeah. And yeah. so, uh, you know, I had all those things going for me. And uh, I, I just knew that, uh, uh, you know, I guess the reason I overcame all this is because of my upbringing, of my family, you know, my mom and dad, and of course my faith and all my siblings. Had I not had all that support, there's no way I would have been able to get through what I got through. Yeah. Well, what kind of things would you kind of tell yourself to get through, um, especially in the first, you know, year or so when you're really recovering and that kind of thing? Yeah. You know, the first thing I, you know, I really talked a lot to myself and to God and, and to my faith. And I always tell God that, you know, if I ever get through this, uh, ordeal, I would want to write a book one day and mm -hmm. uh, I would just tell myself, you know, it's not that bad, right? You know, you, you know don't get me wrong. And I had bad days. Who doesn't have bad days? I mean, to this day, right. I still have bad days. Uh, sure. But it's it's how you overcome those those days that makes you that person that you are. It's about your character. It's about your attitude. You got to have mm -hmm. all those positive things around you. Uh, I always try to support myself in uh, my college and high school days and even my career. If you surround yourself with good people, good things are going to come. Uh, people who are always positive, people who are always uh, uh, leading by example, people who always give encouragement. Uh, if you surround yourself with those type of people, uh, you'll be successful in life. Yeah. Yeah, attitude is really important. I remember we were when we were talking the other day to prepare. Um, you said um, one of the things you would say is it's not the end of the world, and that life is like a game of cards. You can either take another card or fold, but you had too much to live for to fold. That's exactly that right. So I always think of. Uh, Life is a game of cards is, uh, you know, there's some people that uh, they look at their cards and they just fold, even though they may have a good hand. And uh, because I saw that every day, I saw I saw what people were going through. Uh, you know, I had five other uh, roommates in, in that ward that was in that I was in and I could tell and and see how these people were functioning. Uh, which ones were probably going to make it and which ones were not. And that was in an early age. I was 16 years old. I was the youngest uh, out of that group that was in that uh, that rehab, rehabilitation ward uh, in my room. And uh, those that uh, were, were successful always had uh, people supporting them and helping them out. But yeah, uh, I always considered life is almost like a game of cards. Uh, you can fold it in or you can take another card and maybe you can have a better hand. And I always tell people that uh, 
you know, don't feel sorry for yourself because you think you have it bad. Somebody always has it a lot worse than you do. All you have to do is look to the right or you can look to the left. Somebody always has it worse than you do. And I saw that every day when I was in that rehab center uh, because I, I saw people that, uh, you know, when I was going through some tough times and, you know, I was getting down, all I had to look to is to the, my right or to my left. And uh, I was very fortunate that, uh, that I had that and reflect on that. But uh, yeah. yeah, that uh, that's I think that's really what got me through that this ordeal is because uh, it's not the end of the world. The sun's still going to come up tomorrow. Um, it's just how you live your life. So you were able to graduate high school and go to college um, and work and have a career. Um, that's correct. So I went to go ahead. I went to North Lake College and received my associates in arts. And sciences, and then I went on to the University of Texas in Arlington, uh, where I got my bachelor's degree. Um, I learned so many things in college, and I was involved in our wheelchair track and field program. Um, yeah. We used to travel all across the country in wheelchairs and compete on a on a collegiate level. As a matter of fact, our, our class was the first class that they were actually uh, were people in wheelchairs uh, who were participating in an athletic event received uh, college letters. And so uh, you could say that was a varsity letterman uh, at University of Texas in Arlington in track and field, uh, which there was, it was one of 12, I was one of 12 uh, to achieve that, uh, which was phenomenal. So I knew that as soon as I graduated from college, I needed to get back into or get into the workforce because uh, um, I wanted to be a productive citizen in society. And, you know, I want to be able to pay taxes. I want to be able to make a living. I want to be able to do all the things that the general public was doing that. And yeah. uh, so I got out of college and uh, here I am. I'm a young 21, 20 year old kid trying to go conquer the world and uh, lo and behold uh, the doors getting shut on your face uh, I would try to get go to interviews and get full-time employment and all I would uh, I went through about 15 or 16 interviews and um, I wouldn't get a job uh, full-time and uh, you know to me I felt like it was the reason is is because I was in this wheelchair uh, back then, uh, people looked at you. They didn't look at the individual. They looked at the person and that, that's, they see a wheelchair and they're probably uh, skeptical about, well, can this person really do that? And that's, that yeah. should be a wrong idea. That should never be a factor when someone's interviewing uh, for a position. You should look at the individuals, look at the uh, credentials. If that person is you feel like is the best person for that job, then that person should get that job and yeah. don't look at the, the wheelchair itself. Yeah. I think today people know a lot more, but back then there was a lot of stigma and that kind of thing. Correct. Can Almost identity tell, and stigma, those type of things. Yeah. Can you tell, there's a story in your book um, because 
you say, you know, I went to college, I graduated from college, but that was not just an easy thing to do. It's not easy for anybody, but doing it in a wheelchair and you tell one um, story about um, getting from your, you know, cause you drove and you had a, a van and a car and going into class in the rain and having trouble with that. Can you tell that story? Yes, absolutely. So uh, I, I don't think you mentioned the name of, I know you mentioned the name of the book, but the name of the book is called The Life I Didn't Expect, Facing Adversity and Winning. And the book is on Amazon. So if anybody wants to purchase it or wants to pick and up the book and read it. Let me put up a picture of it. There yeah, we go. There you, there you go. Uh, no. The Life I Didn't Expect, Facing Adversity and Winning. Um, yeah, so getting back to your question, so I was in, uh, there was a, a chapter that I wrote about this in, in my book. Uh, it was, uh, we were taking semest semester exams and uh, it was pouring down rain. Well, it wasn't pouring down rain yet. It was sprinkling. And so I parked my vehicle and it takes you, I don't know, a couple of minutes to roll to uh, the, uh, the history hall where we had the class. And Lord and behold, I mean, it just starts downpouring rain. And so everybody's scrambling. And, you know, if you look at a picture from up above, you're probably uh, looking like that we're little ants and we're just scrambling yeah. because somebody's pouring water on us. Well, that's the way it was. And we're all scrambling, trying to get back or get, get into our class. Well, I don't push that fast. And when I was trying to push fast, the hand on my on my wheel got stuck in between a crack and the sidewalk, oh. and oh. I happened to lose my balance and I fell into the grass area. And of course, it's pouring down raining, so all I'm looking is up in the sky, uh, and the water's just hitting my face, and I'm just laying there until somebody comes by, and there was a guy who I don't know six two, six three or or six four he comes in he's like can i help you i'm like yes can you help me get into my wheelchair and so he basically lifted me up put me in my wheelchair and then i went on to history class so when i went into the history class my history teacher was like uh, uh he was real stickler there's probably about two or three hundred people in that class it was a large auditorium and they had already started with the exam and he's a stickler about locking the doors if you're not on time so uh, <laughs> I kind of had a knock on the door and of course everybody's looking and I'm soaking wet and he oh, just God. looked at me. He's like, uh, where have you been? And so I basically told him the story and he's like, uh, well, here's uh, your test and your exam. Uh, go ahead and get started. That was the very first time that somebody had treated me, uh, not race third in the wheelchair, but race third of the individual. And mm. uh, I was very appreciative of that. That the, that's the way they treated me. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. But yeah, well, that, that story is in my book. Yeah. You have a lot of great, interesting stories. And, you know, I also am amazed uh, when I was reading it, because you, you do eventually get, get hired and everything, but it took a long time before you got your first job. And I just admire your tenacity to keep 
going and keeping. Yeah, you know what? I went through three years uh, of going through uh, interviews and job. Uh, I mean, they would give you or they would say, you know, we don't have this position for you, full-time position, but we have a volunteer job or a part-time job. Well, I didn't want that. You know, I wanted to, you know, get a full-time entry-level position uh, and, and see what I could do. And uh, a lady by the name of Nancy Brown, who was a supervisor for the city of Grand Prairie, uh, took a chance on me and uh, as a recreation assistant center, center manager. And so uh, she, uh, you know, to this day, I, I'm very thankful because uh, I don't know, without her giving me that first opportunity to prove myself, uh, there's no way I would have done what I did in my career. So she gave yeah. me the opportunity, the chance. And, you know, if, if you ever talk to her, uh, she'll tell you, it's like, Ray, you were the best person for the job. Yeah. I hired you because you were the best person, not just because I didn't hire you. I didn't have any pity for you or because you were in a wheelchair. Uh, it was just the opposite. Uh, I felt like that you could do the job and that uh, that's why we hired you. And, uh, so Nancy was there for six months and uh, she went on and, and moved on. And so uh, within those six months, uh, I got promoted to her, her position. I stayed there for five years in the city of Grand Prairie uh, and then uh, went on to the city of Irving where uh, I became a, a center supervisor uh, for about six or seven years and then a center uh, recreation manager which is entire uh, operations of the entire recreation division. And then I eventually went on to become the Parks and Recreation Director, which is a, a department head, which is a, somebody that's in charge of a $20 million annual operating budget, over 370 employees, uh, oversaw five divisions, uh, which is the aquatics, uh, athletics, parks, business division, and um, just phenomenal career. I learned so much, and uh, there were so many good people that worked for the city of Irving um, that I, very, I was very thankful and very blessed uh, with the, the leadership that I had gotten for that position and just went on and had a real successful career. And uh, after 30-plus years, uh, I think it was time for somebody else to take over control and it was also some uh, time for me to start a new chapter in my life and that's when I wrote that book called The Life I Didn't Expect Facing Adversity yeah. and Winning yeah. uh, so I'm doing that and then of course, of course today I've started a podcast which is on YouTube called Rolling with Ray and so now I interview, I interview individuals who have uh, overcome adversity and are continuing to win and uh Anna, you're going to be on that show here uh, in the March, in the in the uh, yeah. in the month of, of February. So I'm yeah. excited to have you on there. Tell your story. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. So, well, and your story is so inspiring. Uh, I like what you say. Uh, somewhere I read you said, "My wheelchair prevents me from doing nothing," and that's really what you've lived out because you've had a uh, you know, a great career and you travel. I know you have um, nieces and nephews and you travel and have fun and you just really 
you know, really overcome the adversity that you had. Well, I appreciate that. Yes. Uh, you know, you have to stay active. You have to stay busy. Uh, if you don't do those type of things and uh, you're not going to make it in, in, in this life. And uh, I was very fortunate to have a good career. I very, like, as I mentioned to you, I was very mm -hmm. fortunate that I had a good upbringing with my family and my siblings and my mom and dad. And, um, you know, just as I mentioned to you earlier, you know, if you surround yourself with good people around you and positive people, good things are going to happen for you. And I'm yeah. very blessed, uh, very humbled. Uh, I've lived a good life, uh, you know, whether it's uh, able-bodied walking or uh, whether it's in my wheelchair for 42 plus years. Yeah, uh, for sure. You know, I, I don't know if I told you the story or not, but when uh, they did okay. surgery on me and I went to the rehab center and all that, well, back in 1981, doctors told me that uh, my longevity, I would be lucky to see 50 years old just because mm -hmm. uh, people who are quadriplegics, especially at the C5, C6 uh, level in which I broke my neck, uh, don't have that longevity in life. Mm -hmm. And long and behold, uh, you know, here I am defining the odds. And uh, yeah. I just think it's just... Uh, how one lives their life, uh, you know, physical activity, uh, you eat the right uh, types of food, um, those type of things. And, and I really do believe the mental aspect of it is you got to have positive things around you. Uh, there's yeah. no doubt that uh, if you sort of, like I've mentioned, I keep on mentioning this, if you surround yourself with good people who always have positive things to say and are always positive, you're always going to have a positive outlook on things. Uh, mm -hmm. Don't tell me I can't do it. Tell me why I can do it is that yeah. motto I've always used. So what would you, um, if people are listening and watching that have had some type of trauma and adversity, what would your recommendation, a couple of recommendations be for them? You know, if somebody that's going through some trauma, you know, weather the storm, get through that, get through that trauma, uh, and then focus on the positives. Focus on the things that you can do, not the things that you cannot do. If you focus on the things that you can do, it's going to be amazing the little uh, steps that you take to accomplish those uh, will be phenomenal. So always worry about, or don't worry about, but concentrate on the things that you can do, not the things that you can't do. Because uh, I always tell you, you know, the sun's going to come out tomorrow and uh, just concentrate on the things that you can do. Yeah, that's really good. Mindset is an attitude is, is so important and so helpful people well you, you know, gotta have a you gotta have a like we mentioned earlier is the attitude you gotta have a good attitude about things you know and yeah uh, there's there's bad things in this world and people you know people always ask me is like you know why why did it happen to you Ray and not somebody else who doesn't have a life who I mean you had everything going for you uh, you know, God works in mysterious ways, and there's a reason why God put me in this chair. 
Uh, I mean, it, it, it may be to inspire other individuals. It may be to motivate other people. But he put me on a purpose to do something. And I feel like I'm doing that. And uh, yeah. it, it just being proactive for things that, uh, that you can't do. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So people can find you. I've got your YouTube channel up here. That's where your podcasts, your videos are. And they can also follow you, just the podcast part, like on Spotify and iTunes and stuff, I assume. Correct, correct. Uh, so I'm on iHeart, Spotify, Apple, uh, and they, they, you can catch me on the radio there. Or you can uh, just go on to YouTube, um, subscribe to YouTube, like and mm -hmm. share. Uh, and it's and called you know, Rolling with Ray. I like it's that. Rolling with Ray. Mm -hmm. Yeah, R-O-L-L-I-N, possibly in with Ray. And basically I do some, I do interviewing of individuals who have overcome their adversity and are continuing to win. And mm -hmm. it's a great show. I just start, I do two podcasts a month and I just started this in October. So uh, I think it's, it, it's going to, it's going to take off. It's just, uh, it, you know, as anything, it, it's a slow movement and uh, I've been getting some good reviews. So I'm excited yeah. about it. And I'm excited to have yeah. you on here next month. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward to it for sure. So I'm going to put your book back up here. I've read your book. I do highly recommend it. Um, and um, you, it's called The Life I Didn't Expect. And you can go, let me change this out. You can find um, the website about it, just thelifeididn'texpect.com. And I was going to just mention, because writing a book is not easy. I'm in the process of writing one myself, and it's not that easy to do. But um, so can you talk a little bit about your, how you did it, your process? I love what you told me about the journaling. Yeah, so, um, yeah, it, it's, it's a process of writing a book, I can tell you that. And so the, the way that I started is for it rewinded me to 42 plus years later. So I'm in, I'm in, the, in my senior English class and there's a lady by the name of Miss Simpson. The first thing that she would tell all our students or her students were, all right, everybody get out their journals and write for 15 minutes. She didn't care what you wrote about. She just wanted you to write for 15 minutes. And we did yeah. that every day my senior year in class. We would just write our, in our journals, and we actually got graded on those journals. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I followed that throughout my college and throughout my career as far as having a journal. I, would write, I wouldn't write in it every day. I would just jot things down and just write. Sometimes I would just write for five or ten minutes. Sometimes I would write for 30, 40 minutes. It's just depending uh, on what was on my mind. Uh, I felt like that you have to be in a zone in order to write, you know, like a quarterback or a running back is playing in a football game. And they're always saying they're after the game, they're always interviewing the person who threw for five touchdowns or ran for six touchdowns and had over 200 yards rushing. How did you do that? And they always say, well, I was in the zone. Well, that's yeah. no different than in writing. You have to be in that zone in order to write. Uh, I would get up sometimes early in the mornings and try to write. 
and I couldn't write nothing. But then there would be other days that uh, uh, I would just write for minutes and hours at a time. Um, so anyway, so I, I had this journal and I, I kept it throughout my entire life. And I just, it was uh, when I was getting ready to write the book, I felt like I had all, all the material already written. It was just putting it in, in together, kind of like putting a puzzle together. And so I was uh, able to do that uh, um, and accomplish that uh, goal that I had always set for myself. Yeah. If you would ask me 40 years ago that I'd be writing a book, I would have told you you're crazy. There's no way. <laughs> <laughs> well, and wouldn't I had the same English teacher. Wouldn't she have been so happy to hear that you used that um, and, you know, later used it for your book? So, yeah. Yeah, and you know what? I want to also tell you uh, uh, about my leadership skills. I can remember in eighth grade, I went to Crockett Junior. I think you went to Austin. Right. Middle uh -huh. school. Uh -huh. I remember we were reading the, the diary of Anne Frank, and I had Miss um, Dixon in, in my English class or my English teacher. And uh, so we were, I believe I wrote something in there towards the end of the book. Um, we were all reading, uh, and the way she would do it is she would, like, call on someone to stand up and read a couple pages. Well, when you're in eighth grade, nobody wants to stand up and nobody wants to read out loud. And so I can recall um, Miss Dixon saying, okay, who's going to read the next uh, couple of chapters in the book? And I'm kind of, you know, I'm sitting like, I don't know, second or third seat on uh, the first row. And I can see everybody's head just go directly down because they didn't want to get picked on because they didn't want to get up and read. So I see everybody's head going down and I'm the only head sticking up. And, and she's like, uh, Mr. Serta, she, ever, she called everybody by their last name. Mr. Serta, can you get up and... Uh, and then read the next few pages. And of course, I didn't want to tell the English teacher no. So I had to stand up and, and read to the class. And, and uh, you know, I, I read the four or five pages that she wanted me to read. And then the bell rang and she said, don't anybody get up. Let Mr. Serta finish his reading. And oh, I was like, wow. And so I read and finished out. And so she excused everybody. And so she caught me and she said, Mr. Serta, the only reason I picked on you is because sometimes you have to lead by example. Oh. I knew nobody wanted to read, but me choosing you, that was you leading by example, by you saying that you would read. And that was yeah. the very first time I feel like an actual leader, somebody that can lead. And, and uh, she taught me a valuable lesson that back then, in it, and that was in eighth grade. Um, it's just, and I write about that in the book. Yeah. Well, you are absolutely leading by example now, and you're an inspiration, and you also do public speaking and motivational speaking. Um, yes, I do. Right? I, uh, I go to uh, many, some of the schools uh, around here in this area. I go to any clubs or organizations that wants to hear my story, wants to hear the uh, the race sort of, the, the life I didn't expect facing adversity and winning. 
I tell that story. So if anybody's looking for any any a speaker, I'll be more than happy to come out. Um, just contact me. Okay. Well, awesome. Thank you so much. Um, thank you for sharing your life and your wisdom and your inspiration. And um, yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. Well, thank you. Uh, and it's been a pleasure of uh, me being on your podcast and uh, I can't wait till next month to have you on. Thank you so much for joining us for the Defined by God podcast. If you'd like more information, please visit our website at definedbygod.com and be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel and email list.